Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from The Bunker. Folks, I want to start out with a New York Times article that went up yesterday with regard to Joe Biden and the fact that new polling has shown that his approval ratings are pretty much in the gutter. Now, given all of the things that this man has inherited from the trash compactor that was the Trump presidency, it's not a surprise. But I will say this. I don't disagree with the fucking polls this time. Like, the reality is people in this country are suffering, right? They're suffering because they are losing rights left and right, and they don't know what to do about it. That their dollar is no longer stretching as far as it used to. That while we're seeing gas prices uh, recede, inflation is still at an all-time high. And, you know, the fact is Republicans are a terror group, a terrorist organization that is receiving very little pushback at the state and local and federal level for the actions that they are taking to oppress people, particularly LGBTQ people, particularly women and people with uteruses, particularly black people. And this Democratic Party, Joe Biden, which Joe Biden is the leader of, is doing fairly little to show that they have the ovaries to get this shit done. So here's where I am. You know, I talked about this last week that I received a lot of pushback and a lot of fucking just nastiness on social media. So I appreciate those of you who had reached out and DM'd and, you know, left comments to uplift me because I will say that my spirits were indeed quite low last week that, you know, and it wasn't low because necessarily I take what trolls say and I, and I'm not saying that it was all trolls because they were people who were actual real people who were like, I'm unfollowing you because you know, you're not a cheerleader for the democratic party. And what I will say is 
read my fucking bio. I never said I was. I am not a spokesperson for the Biden administration. I am not a spokesperson for the DNC, but I'm not going to sit around and say that Joe Biden is doing a bang up job when in fact, I don't think so. And if you can't take what your party is saying to you about how you need to change course, then how are you going to go up against Republicans that don't give a fuck about truth, don't give a fuck about science, and frankly, don't give a fuck about safety or the constitution. So if you can't take the pressure that is coming at you from within your own party, how are you going to take on the white supremacist terrorist cult that is now the Republican party? The reality here is You know, there was pushback last week because a White House spokesperson who has since went to go spend more time with her family, and I'm using air quotes, basically said that Biden is not going to acquiesce on abortion rights to appease a group of activists that are, quote unquote, out of step with the Democratic Party. So the Biden administration thinks that their best bet to get people activated to vote in midterms is to discredit and admonish the activists that are actually getting supplies and help on the ground to women and people with uteruses that need abortion right now. Did I get that right? Because if that is your motherfucking tactic, then I might as well hand you the gun so you can shoot yourself in the foot, right? Literally. The reality here is that these numbers should worry this administration and they should worry all of us because people are losing hope. And where do you get hope from? You get hope from messaging coupled with action, neither of which this Democratic Party is doing right now. Case in point, Lawrence Tribe, famed lawyer, tweeted and said that Joe Biden does not need to ask his staff whether or not he can call a public health emergency for abortion right now, which by the way, would open up more funds through HHS for them to take considerable measures to protect the right to abortion in this country. And this is Lawrence fucking tribe that is saying this Forbes magazine wrote this and I, and I want to read it verbatim. President Joe Biden said Sunday he has asked his staff to see if he has, quote, the authority to declare a public health emergency to address abortion access, a move that could release additional funding and give federal health officials more power to respond to state level abortion restrictions. Following calls from progressive Democrats to take sweeping action to protect abortion rights after the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. Folks, it's been over two weeks. By the time that we get to the end of this week, it'll be three weeks since Roe v. Wade was overturned, but it has been several fucking weeks, several months, in fact, since we knew that this was coming on the horizon. So the question that infuriates me and that many voters are asking themselves is why was there no fucking plan? When these Scooby-Doo fucking evil villains are organizing in plain goddamn sight and they are literally announcing what their fucking plans are, why has there no been no action that was taken? Why are we all standing around looking up at the sky saying, I can't believe that this has happened. Now I get that for the average American that is fucking shook, but not by this administration that should not have been caught off guard. But of course you would be caught off guard because you still have this fucking president believing that he can work with Republicans that literally wanted to kill their own former vice president last year. 
I want to read some key facts that Biden can take. And these key facts that were put out this week with regard to what a public health emergency would do and with regard to the executive order that Joe Biden has put in place. So one, a public health emergency is typically declared by the federal government following a natural disaster or infectious disease outbreak, and it gives the Department of Health and Human Services additional funding and flexibility to respond to an emergency. Number two, Biden's executive order directs HHS to protect emergency medical care for pregnant people, but declaring an emergency could also give HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra the power to ensure health care providers can prescribe and dispense abortion medication out of state to patients whom home states have restricted abortion. Centers for Reproductive Rights President Nancy Northrup wrote in the Washington Post. This article goes on to say this, White House aides and HHS officials weighed declaring a public health emergency after the Supreme Court's ruling, but they decided against it at the time due to question about its effectiveness and possible legal challenges. Folks, and this is the kind of shit that drives me crazy. Why the fuck were you waiting until Roe v. Wade was overturned when in fact the draft decision told you it was going to be overturned for you to figure out whether or not declaring a public health emergency would be the help that people would need. Because here's the deal, folks, and I've talked to our friend Danielle Campamore, the abortion rights advocate and also writer at todayshow.com, who has stated that every minute, every second that can be bought, right, for these people who are literally running up against the clocks in their state is time that we cannot waste. And so why the fuck this administration would wait three weeks almost after this decision and a month and plus after the leak draft was put out to think about the ways in which they need to activate is why the fuck Biden's numbers are low. So people want to tell me, no, Danielle, it's about the economy. It's about this, that, and the other thing. And again, I will say what I said on MSNBC a couple of weeks ago. There is no more pressing issue for people's kitchen table than whether or not they have enough money and resources to be able to feed the fucking mouths at that table. And if you are forced to birth yet another mouth that you cannot afford, you tell me how that's not an economic issue. This administration... I know people don't love for me to say it needs to get their fucking shit together and actually should be paying attention to the polls and be concerned that 94% of young people that are polled don't want Biden to run in 2024. So what does that mean for their turnout enthusiasm, right? For midterms and for 2024, it means that it's going to be fucking low. And guess what? We don't get another bite at this apple. This is the last midterm election. This will be the last presidential election in 2024 if and when Republicans take power because they are not looking back. They are not looking for negotiations. They will rewrite the rules, rewrite the Constitution, call a constitutional convention, and I may be broadcasting from a cotton field near you. That's the fucking reality on the ground. And it would be great if our administration would get on board with the urgency that is being expressed by the constituents and the citizens across this country. Coming up next, my conversation with whom the alt-right has called controversial, Senator Tiara Mack from Rhode Island, who made headlines for twerking and then telling people that they need to get out and vote. Let me tell you something, folks. She is more than a twerk, and you will hear that coming up next.
Damage Report with John Idarola is one of the most popular shows on the TYT network that serves as your daily breakdown of the genuine threats and challenges facing our country and world. These days, we're confronted with an overwhelming sea of shocking, confounding, and devastating news stories. The Damage Report is your life raft, helping you navigate the day's news and understand the damage caused by the corrupt establishment, politicians, corporations, and everything in between. Join the Damage Report's notorious fan club, The Dragon Squad, where you become part of a fantastic community of progressives. Create a fun dragon nickname that fits your personality, collaborate, and participate in fun activities like voting for, the garbage person of the week, and much more. Listen to The Damage Report on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, The Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get The Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the very first time uh, Rhode Island State Senator, Senator Tiara Mack, uh, who has made headlines, right? Because this is what happens in the age of the internet uh, for doing a video to get out the vote in your state, uh, Senator Mack, uh, twerking. And subsequently, Fox News has come out with a uh, target uh, on you. Uh, There's been tons of pushback. You wrote a piece in Newsweek. And so um, I want you to tell us just let's start from the beginning. What prompted uh, the twerking video? And were you at all anticipating that there would be you know, backlash and not just like, oh, ha, huh, a fun, like a fun, funny video. So no. So uh, to explain the video, I have to go back maybe like a week before that. Mm-hmm. Um, I started my TikTok um, under my Smack District 6 account to raise awareness after the overturning of Roe v. Wade um, about access to abortion in the state. Uh, many people had no idea where to turn in my state. And they were uh, saying things like, we must give our money to politicians or we must fund this campaign or let's start our own abortion fund. I'm an abortion funder. Um, I've been a member of my state's abortion fund since 2015. I'm one of the board members and I've been working on issues um, for abortion access. I've worked on our state's uh, 2019 campaign to codify Roe v. Wade, ensuring that Rhode Island will always have access to abortion no matter what happens federally. And I've been working currently on the equity in abortion coverage, which addresses the fact that one third of Rhode Islanders who are either state employees or on Medicaid do not have access to abortion. And so I started that, um, I believe it's my eighth video says, I am trying to go viral to talk about abortion. I am trying to go viral. There might be some thirst traps. It's going to be Rhode Island specific, and I'm going to uplift body autonomy and abortion. And so when I took those videos, the context was, this is, um, it's a silly account. It talks a little bit about, uh, 
Rhode Island politics, the state of abortion access, what folks can do instead of donating to politicians, what they can do to ensure that their abortion fund in their local area um, is funded and because the need will be there. And also explaining some of the ways that blue states are not safe when it comes to um, abortion access. Many people are like, well, I live in Rhode Island and we just codified Roe v. Wade, so we don't have to worry about access to abortion. That is extremely untrue. There are 300,000 Rhode Islanders, at least, who don't have access to abortion. And so when I created those videos, I think it's a series of three videos of me in my bathing suit with a small group of friends. And the first video says, silly days off. The second video is another video that says silly days off. And then the third one is the viral sensation of Tiara uh, twerking. Um, so I did not expect it to go pretty, I didn't expect to go further than my community of Rhode Islanders, uh, let alone become a national GOP uh, campaign. Um, but also this is not the first time I've gone viral um, on the alt-right. This is the second time that the alt-right has tried to silence me and have tried to make me afraid of whatever power they think they have over a strong, opinionated, unapologetically Black queer person that stands up for the causes that she believes in. I went viral back in February and no one was worried about my body. They were not worried about my safety and they sure as hell weren't worried about the policies. When the alt-right took my comprehensive, queer inclusive, age appropriate, pleasure-based sexual health bill that was also paired with the Sexual Assault Survivors Bill of Rights, when they took that bill and had thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people in bots and their troll farm calling me a pedophile and a groomer for months. No one, no one in Rhode Island, no one at the national level reached out and said, Tiara, are you okay? They didn't mm. care about my mental health. They didn't care about my black, my black queer self receiving those messages from hundreds of accounts daily. And no one reached out. No one said this is a smear campaign. No one even stood firmly in the fact that everything that they were saying about my bill was um, was completely untrue, was not rooted in, um, their opposition was not rooted in wanting to protect young people. It was not rooted in wanting to have inclusion. It was about creating a divisive topic for them to mobilize their base. And so then when this video goes viral of my body, me having full agency and autonomy over my body, being proud of what my body can do, a headstand, being on the beach, celebrating that I have a day off on America's birthday, as I like to call it, um, the fact that they took my body and tried to make it a meme and tried to shame me and tried to degrade me when no one was concerned about TR Mac before, not my mental health, not my wellness, not my body. They were more concerned about the idea that a liberated black queer person felt comfortable in her skin and felt that she could have a day off and felt that she could have liberation. And so the conversation spiraling out of control um, online um, has only been able to help me uplift the issues that I care about, further talk about bodily autonomy and call attention to the ways in which the alt-right and their supporters are trying to create a narrative and strategically target opinionated people on the left, including black people, including peer people, including women of color in office and create a hostile environment. So they think so that they create in themselves this idea or need to shrink and to shrug away from the issues or not stand as firmly in their beliefs. But to that, I say, if they want to come after me, which they already have once, twice, and they'll probably be another, I am not afraid of their smear campaigns. And I'm not afraid of standing firmly in my belief that everything I stand for is about people centered communities. And so I think more people on the left need to be paying attention to these tactics that they're using because we see what they're doing. They're creating false campaigns. They're creating um, and mobilizing their base around these like inflammatory lies. And we are not fighting back. We are not pushing back on the reality that 
everything they stand for is um, is regressing back to this idea that we can't have inclusive community. Well, let's talk about that for a minute, um, which is the the pushback, right? The ability to, as I mm-hmm. continue to say on, you know, on social media, on all of my platforms to fight fire with fire, which, you know, you're talking specifically at, you know, as, as you are running for re-election uh, in, in Rhode Island. And I'm also, you know, pulling back to think about the ways in which national, uh, nationally, Democrats are not fighting back, um, against these tactics. And so, um, you know, Senator, tell me like, what, what do you perceive to be the best way to fight back to, you know, because I am no longer in the camp of when they go low, uh, we go high. I love Michelle Obama and will for will forever. That was a tactic of a different time. I'm more like when they go low, we scuba dive. Like I am, I am beyond. Yep. Uh, and so what are some of the ways in which you believe, um, that we need to be fighting back at the national, state, and local level? And what are some of the tactics that you have implored that you have found successful in, in, the, in the fight uh, that you are in right now? Yeah, one of the ways that I found successful is when they were repeatedly calling me a pedophile and a groomer, I ignored all those comments. I didn't engage and I pushed back and I said, comprehensive, queer, inclusive, pleasure-based sexual health education more. I said, comprehensive, queer, inclusive, age-appropriate, pleasure-based sex ed even more. When they're coming after me for twerking upside down, I made it into a hashtag. I have more people now. I have thousands of followers. I'm a Rhode Island state senator and I represent 20,000 people. And I now have people all across the country who are inspired by a young, unapologetically queer person saying the word abortion, not saying reproductive health access, not saying choice, saying abortion and saying that we should have access to abortion for every single person in our communities. I'm also talking about trans rights. I'm talking about intersex rights. I'm talking about body autonomy for every single person in our communities. And they want me to back down. They want me to feel as if they can control my narrative. They want me to be afraid. They want me to fear their troll farm. And it's not working. And I'm saying it louder and I'm saying it more proudly and I'm bringing more people into my message. I have people who reached out to me like I would have never known about you. I would have never known that we had a senator in my state. And so <laughs> oh, while God. it is. It, oh, good. Yes. <laughs> and so it 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 is it is still something that I'm grappling with because we have waited too long to fight back. Um, I really resonate with what you said when you said when we got a scuba dive, like they are literally pulling all of the stops and we are watching. I've seen it in my own state house. We have people who are not willing to stand firmly in the belief that our communities need action now. I was championing bills, including an eviction moratorium, um, adjustments to our um, probation um, period, sexual assault survivors bill of rights, uh, sealing evictions for folks who have those on their records. And those bills did not get heard this year. I had bills that were introduced last year and had hearings and that were not heard because people were afraid that, oh, well, Tiara Mack has already caused enough of a stir. She's already mobilized people against her and we're afraid. And so to that, I say, what are you afraid of when you're standing up for your communities? Why are you afraid to stand firmly in all of your beliefs that what they are saying is not only untrue, but it's not justified. And it's not the narrative that we want our young people to be living up to. And we should not shrink in the light of their criticisms and their uh, fabricated attacks. We should not shrink when they have these um, platforms that are literally misinformation 
We need to push back continually and consistently. And we need more people, more allies to say, this is ridiculous. I've had to create my own document. No one knows how to support a black queer woman in this moment. Literally no one. I have to create my own resources and sample tweets for what to say when someone calls Tiara Mac a pedophile, a groomer, something misogynistic, something that's race-based. You know, we have seen this this tactic, right? This 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 uh, mm-hmm. return to the 80s, right, is what I refer to it as because in the 80s, um, we did not have in this nation the care and or consideration for LGBTQ people. I mean, the Reagan administration allowed people to die in the street from AIDS um, because they thought that it was God's will, um, because it was only at that time affecting the gay community. And so, you know, we understand because these tactics are patterns that have historical roots in discrimination Mm -hmm. and oppression. And yet Democrats find themselves, whether at the state or local level or at the national level, seem to be deers in headlights uh, with without the ability to fight back. And we saw, you know, uh, a, a significant uh, pushback by uh, a, a state representative in Michigan um, who came out on the House floor. I don't know on her House floor if, if you remember that. Um, where she came out against her Republican opponent for calling her a groomer. And she stood in her truth as a white suburban Christian mom who is a progressive, right? Who believes, you know, that women should have bodily autonomy. National coverage and mine did Right. I was, yeah. I was raising the red flag, but because it's a white woman saying, look at what they're doing to yep. me and saying, oh no, it's me. And they're like, well, they can't do that to our own people. But when it's a black queer woman saying, look at what the fuck they are saying about me. And I'm not saying I'm weak. I'm not saying that I need their protection, but I'm saying like, why is it okay? And why is it viral news? I had people sending me her video. They're like, this reminds me of you. And I was like, no, I remind me of me because they're giving her attention. They're not, they're not covering TR Mac. I got mail sent to my home from an unaddressed um, place in Michigan. And that fucking scared me. I'm like, okay, so my address legally yep. has to be on the on my website because I'm a public official. And folks now are radicalized on the right in so many different platforms and so many different group chats. We already have folks that don't believe that black people deserve rights. We have a growing narrative across our nation that LGBTQ plus people uh, don't deserve their rights and are a direct harm to young people and communities in this great American convention that some people have fabricated in their minds. And then we also have on that the attack on women, that women don't deserve autonomy over their body. The fact that people, queer people, trans people, non-binary people don't deserve gender affirming care and pronouns and being addressed in ways that feel authentic and affirming to them. And so being a black queer person, experiencing all of those things in the face, in a public arena and having to say, I'm fucking shrugging it off because I know exactly what they're doing. But having to explain to people, I had to explain to the FBI or to the, our state troopers um, when they were making a, um, their case, when I sent them the letter, I, they were like, well, how is it How is it dangerous they're calling you a groomer? How is it dangerous that they're calling you a pedophile? And I'm like, do you not see that this is a tactic to literally stoke fear? It's the same as calling me the N-word. It's the same thing. They are trying to to belittle me. They are trying to create fear. Well, I, I, and, and honestly, you know, but what, what, what troubles me too um, on, on so many different levels is that, you know, we're going to these police outfits, right. Who mm-hmm. have never seen, uh, us having the right complexion for the protection, right. So you were going to these mm-hmm. outlets to say, 
oh, look, I'm in harm's way. And they don't care because they literally put us in harm's way all the time. And what we are seeing by virtue of, of, of all of the coverage of the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, these type of white supremacist groups is that they have tentacles in every part of our government and every part of our agencies and police, um, you know, uh, uh, departments across this country. And so, you know, uh, Senator, how do you, one, how do you raise this to your people, to your 20,000 constituents to understand the violence and the threat, not just facing you, but people like you in, in their, Mm -hmm. you know, and what they can do to activate. Because what I still see is that we believe uh, on this larger scale, or at least the voters believe that there is, you know, oh, we're, we're still having these ideological debates between Republicans and Democrats. And that's not the case, right? You have a mm-hmm. rabid right wing cult that has taken hold at the state, local and national level. And then you have a Democratic Party that in many ways is like fighting for survival because it doesn't have the tools and the equipment available to deal with the evil that we're being presented with. So how do you, as you're campaigning on the myriad of assaults and issues, raise the alarm to your own constituents? Is there something that we uh, you know, that folks on the national level can learn from what it is that have activated your own constituents in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I, I still struggle with that question every day. But one thing that I've been doing on the doors is raising awareness. We have folks in Rhode Island who've been in office since before I was born. I beat a 30 year incumbent. I'm supporting another candidate, Enrique Sanchez, who's going against another 30 plus year incumbent. Our Senate president in Rhode Island, who uh, has been in the Senate for 37 years. We have strongholds in communities and folks are saying, well, I like the same old, but same old has not got us changed. Come on. These are the same people who are upholding the norms and narratives. And because I've gotten to the state house and I've pushed back and I voted no when I needed to, and I've stood up and said, I'm not voting for that. And I've gone to our prisons. I've taken a tour of our um, adult correctional facility. And I've said, this place is not safe. They've tried to say it is clean, it is quiet. And I'm like, people who are being abused and in a space that is literally designed to break the psyche, Mm. that doesn't it can be clean it can be quiet it is still abuse and we have to raise that flag every single time and then when people say well we're not going to get be able to pass the equity and abortion coverage act to get the coverage for the 33 the 33% of Rhode Islanders who don't have it and i say why we've got 23 sponsors we have 23 out of 38 senators in the chamber who say we want this to pass but because we have three powerful people in leadership they determine what bills go to the floor mm-hmm. and what bills do not yep They determined that my bills, the ones that were heard last year when I wasn't a problem, and the ones that are being heard that were not heard this year because Tiara Mack is a problem, they didn't make it past that. They didn't make it past committee. They didn't make it to a committee floor, let alone the floor for a full vote. And so I'm, I'm teaching people and educating them because another thing that folks don't realize is that we have so much power in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another reason why I've created those TikToks. We have judges that are appointed to these commissions who are just high school friends of current senators. Come on. We have people Mm-mm. who are appointed to commissions to determine our environmental impact, developing our port that are um, leading to um, environmental racism and the highest asthma rate in the country in a, in a predominantly black and brown community, we're assigning more people who side with the fossil fuel corporations to be on those committees and appoint new 
new places that are going to be major polluters into our backyards. We're appointing people to redevelop um, the highway district that will determine for the next 20, 50 years what our urban core looks like and who it caters to and what our affordable housing looks like and what housing looks like around those areas. We're appointing people to boards for gerrymandering, literally creating their own districts. We appointed so many political insiders to our um, redistricting committee and the public didn't even know. These are not people who were elected. These are not people who uh, have a public face or have a public persona. Oftentimes they have no name. They have no resume. They have no like public track record that you can tr that you can follow. They have nothing that you can say, who is this person and what do they stand for? Because they're invisible names. They But then they have so much power in our states and we appoint them. And so by telling people and showing people that we can take that power back, we can use their own game against them. We have a blueprint. They have showed us the blueprint. Take power at the local and state yep. level to create an overwhelming majority so that we mm -hmm. can get the state and the community help that we need. We have the blueprint. We know exactly what to do, but we're unwilling to do that because some people do not want to concede power on the left. Come some on. people are not truly on the side of the left. And some people do not realize that black and brown voices are sick and fucking tired of waiting for change. Incrementalism, there is no time for incrementalism anymore. Being told to compromise for what? My right to my body, to my live, right to, to safe exist. housing, my right yeah. to food, mm -hmm. my right to a living wage. I won't fucking concede that. And so when people say that we need to work together and we need to build, I'm like, no, y'all work with me. Work with the left and work with the people who ran because they were tired of the current leaders we had. Work with the people who have seen their communities literally struggle for generation after generation, who don't see any hope in the system, who know that their politicians literally do not care about them because they do not know what it's like to be a low income black or brown person or a queer person who faces the many realities across this nation. So those are all the ways that we have to do better. And I'm trying to do better civic engagement, trying to mobilize people and show them that there is real power in our voices. There is real power in our numbers. And with people coming into our state houses and taking that space and taking the air away from the folks who don't want to move, even if they are quote unquote on our side. Let me ask you this last question, which is, you know, we have uh, polls coming out that, uh, and I, Trust me, I believe that polls are akin to reading tea leaves, right? So take the, take with them, you know, with a grain of salt. But the reality is that people are tired. They are depressed. They have anxiety. They are stressed the fuck out. There is inflation. Everything costs more and their money is not going as far as it used to. How, mm -hmm. what, what do you say to that voter? To that Democratic voter, right, whether it's in your state, as we're looking at midterm elections nationally, as we're headed into a, which, which will probably be our last presidential election um, in these United States. So what do you say to that, not even disgruntled, I just think that people are beat down, right? So yeah. what, 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 Same. what, in, you know, what, what message do you think would resonate to get folks to the polls in a way to see that like there is still a mustard seed of hope somewhere to hold on to. I say my campaign slogan, hope in action. We must always have hope, but we have to have the audacity and the bravery to put that hope into action every single day. 
I have been literally beat down. And luckily I have a really great uh, support system. I have a therapist. I play rugby, so I'm allowed to hit people legally when I want to. I crochet. I do all the, I do all the things that I need to do in order to take care of yeah. myself. But it's fucking hard. I have a full-time job outside of, outside of being a state legislator. So when people say my voice doesn't matter, I say I had hope that it would matter. And I won. Yeah. And I'm working on these issues. And in my community, I have at least 10 candidates that I'm mentoring and getting them into office and having them build up to replace the existing power structures. So when people say, well, it doesn't matter, I'm like, it will matter. And that's why we need new voices, new young mm -hmm. voices, Black people, queer people, Latin Latino people. We need so many new voices and different people in those spaces. And I have hope that this next generation is tired. The fact that I was twerking upside down and it broke the internet and it broke the minds of people who were afraid to see a liberated black queer person whose body has been told its entire life that it is, um, that it, that it's sex literally sells. And they weren't listening to my message before. And now people are coming to my platform. Like I just knew you was a twerking senator and now you have things to say. You can do both. What? Yep. And they're saying there's so much hope in seeing someone who is not backing down, who is not saying sorry. They wanted me to be ashamed. They wanted me to be embarrassed. And they wanted to take away whatever sense of empowerment they thought they could take from me. And to that, I said, fuck no, I'm a twerk on anyway. I'm going to fight anyway. I'm going to say abortion louder. I'm going to say trans rights louder. I'm going to say protect our intersex youth louder. I'm going to say I'm going to say abolish the police. I'm going to say defend our communities. I'm going to say all of the things that I believe in strongly, more convincingly, and I'm going to bring people into that camp. I've been on the doors, I've been knocking, and it is hard for people to see that hope, but to see people mm -hmm. who are still invested and to see people who are actually fighting and who have whatever little results that we can get and who are saying that this system is broken and we need more voices. It can't just be one of us. It has to be all of us running. And that's one of the things that I think the Democratic Party also has missed. We have to have so many new voices coming in and taking those seats. It's not about one win. It's not about two wins. It's not about the federal level. Like I've said this in a different interview, but like, fuck being the next AOC, be the next AOC in your town government, be the next yep. AOC in your state legislature, be the next change maker in your community, because that's what it goes down to. We're not getting shit done up at the federal level. And it's coming down to states making sure their communities are taken care of, that they have the resources that they need. And so when people say, well, donate to this cause, like donate to this campaign, do that. I'm like, start your own fucking campaign. Let's do it. People were like, let's fund, let's go send our money to politicians who support abortion. No, don't donate to politicians. Donate to an abortion fund. That's where it's going to matter. No matter who wins that next election, abortion still is not going to be guaranteed for the people who need it most. And so trying to build that distrust in the system and that inherent belief that we can have a whole new system in people. It is hard. It is grueling. But by doing the work and showing up every day with authenticity, with love, and with hope for people, I think that is what inspires. And that is what motivates people to see that there is change because we have people who are not backing down. And yes, it is hard. And at times I... like. Has a black person ever felt safe in the United States? Like, if you have, like, let me know your secret. But, like, don't feel safe. Don't feel loved. Don't feel cared for. And don't feel community. But I'm showing up for it anyway. Senator Tiara Mack, uh, 
You're fantastic. I am really glad that you made the time to join Woke AF. I hope that you will come back because, you know, I am looking for energy. I am looking for hope. I am looking for something, someone, somewhere, some, all of those peoples, um, to let us know that this fight is not over. Uh, and you are one of those people. You are one of those warriors on the front lines and fuck them. If they are going to be doing their, uh, advertisements with AR 15s and all of this, like violence and bullshit, you can absolutely twerk as much as you goddamn well, please. Uh, and absolutely should. So we here on woke AF appreciate you. Thank you. And we'll hope you come back soon. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. That is it for me today here on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.